Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast, specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country. Now, here's your host, James Landry. Welcome to the Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and professional analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm your host, James Landry, and I'm glad you chose to listen in today. We have a special guest here today, Mr. Chad DeBolt from Saxon Real Estate out of Summit, New Jersey. It's a really unique program where it's truly a win-win, where we're basically incentivizing people with gains to move them into these opportunity zones. And Chad is here because today we are going to be discussing qualified opportunity zones and qualified opportunity funds. And also joining us for the discussion is Palace Capital's Chief Investment Officer, Mark Bogar, and partners Charles Evangelakos and Richard Mullen. So why qualified opportunity zones? Well, created as part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, the qualified opportunity zone incentive is being used nationwide to capture the interests of investors. And those who seek to invest to make an impact to communities across the nation via the Qualified Opportunity Zone program can do so through a Qualified Opportunity Fund. Now, a Qualified Opportunity Fund offers investors with significant capital gains the ability to reduce their tax burden while also channeling impact investment capital to identified and need communities. And that's the key is this is exciting because it's an opportunity to help those communities that do have financial needs. In general, though, from the individual taxpayer standpoint, the longer an investor holds a qualified opportunity fund, the larger the tax benefit. So those with longer time horizons should really consider these investments. And Chad's company, Saxon Real Estate, is a national boutique private equity real estate investment and development firm, and they specialize in value-add and opportunistic development opportunities across the U.S. and multiple asset classes. So let's give a little bit about Chad's background. Chad is the Director of Investments at Saxon Real Estate, and he joined Saxon shortly after its founding in 2013. His early and extensive knowledge of the Qualified Opportunity Zone legislation has enabled Saxon to take an active leadership role in the Qualified Opportunity Zone space. And in mid-2018, Saxon announced one of the first Opportunity Zone funds in the nation. And Chad has spoken on multiple Opportunity Zone panels to date, and he is the author of numerous white papers on the program. He's recognized by Forbes for early Opportunity Zone involvement, and Saxon was named a top 25 Opportunity Zone influencer in the fund managers and developer category for 2019 and 20 by the Opportunity Zone Expo. Prior to Saxon, Chad spent 13 years at three major global investment banks trading multiple fixed income securities across mortgage rates and rate markets. Chad's areas of expertise include risk analysis, financial modeling, debt underwriting, asset management, and more. And Chad is a graduate of Notre Dame with a MBA and also a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering. So Chad, welcome. Great to have you with us today. Thanks, James. Great to be here. And Charlie, Mark, and Rich, welcome to the three of you as well. Thanks, James. Thank you, James. James, glad to be here. <clears throat> James, as you know, we pride ourselves in being very conversant in a, a broad range of tax planning strategies here at Palace Capital. And the Qualified Opportunity Zone is just one of those, but a relatively newer strategy. So it's a great opportunity to help educate listeners here who have certainly heard of these funds. They've been widely talked about, but perhaps don't really understand how they work. So we're really glad to have this podcast opportunity here and experts like Chad to discuss this. 
Absolutely. And, and so, Chad, maybe you could just begin by telling us a little bit about the origins of Qualified Opportunity Zones. Really, what are they and where do they come from? I'd be happy to. So first of all, I would say in a world and in a nation that sometimes may see so, seem so divided in the times we're in, I believe that Opportunity Zones are one of the few things out there that truly have pure bipartisan support. And we actually have some other countries that are looking at the, the model that the U.S. has employed in Opportunity Zones to potentially explore in, in their own countries, for example, in Europe. So it's really unique to know that this is truly bipartisan support behind the program. Uh, the program was created about 10 years ago, even during the Obama administration, there was thoughts of how do we pr produce a program and be really unique that would actually add a lot of value. And the idea was how do we create a vehicle that would incentivize investors that may have large capital gains in their portfolios, but are unwilling to sell due to tax reasons, and to actually create a velocity of money and monetize those gains to get them to take the gains, and then at the same time, receive tax benefits if they deployed them in areas of need. And by deploying into areas of need, you do multiple things. You create jobs, you improve the areas, and you create rateables. Rateables is another way of saying properties that are much higher value that the municipalities could tax. So it's a really unique program where it's truly a win-win where we're basically incentivizing people with gains to move them into these opportunity zones. And that's unique. And, and one thing you might find, find interesting is there's about 6 trillion in unrealized domestic gains out there, depending on who's counting. That's a massive number. In the last couple of years since the inception of the program, which was really around 2017 uh, into 2018, when the, when the zones were actually designated, um, there's been about 15 billion invested into opportunity zones. So if you think of quick math, if we have 6 trillion in gains, if you just get 1% of those gains, you're at 60 billion right there. So not to say we're exactly on path in terms of hitting that number, but 1% to me even seems low. So frankly, I think by the end of this program, which really the gains can be invested up to December 31st, 26, which we'll talk about, I'm sure later, but uh, I expect over $100 billion to come into this program. Yeah. And when you said it had uh, bipartisan support, I do remember <clears throat> in 2020 at the end, at the time, former President Trump and his policy was that he wanted to increase, you know, expand the benefits as part of the, the QOZ program. I think Biden's tax policy also encourage or endorse these, this program as well. Is that fair to say? Again, to my point earlier, when have we, when have we heard President Biden and former President Trump agree on something? And, and Biden did come out and say that we like this program. We're going to take some looks at it in terms of potentially reporting, but nothing material that would affect investment decisions. So again, we received some questions from investors. We wonder if the new administration gets rid of the Opportunity Zone program. And while that might sound like a new, uh, a fair question with the change of administration with anything that's government related, it's really when you understand opportunity zones, there's just, it's not even on the table because both parties are so behind this. And again, the, the two leading Senate senators behind the bill are, are Tim Scott, Republican, and then Cory Booker, Democrat. So it is, it has a ton of support. And if anything, I would say it was actually some of the, uh, the time periods to invest in the program were extended under the Biden administration. So that's further proof that they're for the program. And I could, I hope, and I expect some of the, the deadlines that we're going to talk about might get extended even further because they like the program so much. So opportunities uh, zones are uh, here to stay. Just to recap, because I know you're going to get into this in more detail later. Opportunity zone investments are for taxpayers that have significant large capital gains. They'd like to defer those capital gains and at the same time, make an investment into a community that needs financial resources, financial assistance. 
Is that just, I know there are a lot of details and we'll go into those, but that's a high level description of the opportunity zone. Is that fair to say? That's correct. That's okay. correct. And, and one other point that I think is worth touching on just briefly, when people ask the question, well, what are opportunity zones? And again, I give the government credit here. They put this program together while, you know, really uh, put it together well. And the group that did it was called EIG, it's the Economic Innovation Group. So this is the group that basically is the think tank that funded this. But when they thought about the program, they didn't want this to be some mental exercise of gerrymandering that we see around politics, political cycles. They basically overlaid the opportunity zones with census tracts. So there's no gaming the system. You're either in the census tract or you're not in the census tract. So it's really that simple. And I thought that was done really well. And to give further just perspective to the audience, there's about 8,760 opportunity zones in the nation. To qualify for an opportunity zone, uh, and there's a number of different rules, but the basic one is this, over 20% of the zone has to be below the poverty rate. So that's a simple rule of thumb to think of how you can be designated. That doesn't mean every zone that has that qualifies. Each state selects the zones and then it goes up to the federal government, which will then finally grant approval of the zones. But the zones represent about 12% of the landmass of the United States. So it is a large, it is a large geographic area. And for that point, you know, in regards to one of the things I want to talk about later, not all opportunity zones are created equal. So there's a lot of potential out there. You just have to be, you have to be definitely thoughtful of where you're investing. Chad, this is a quite intriguing program. What are the qualifications that an investor must consider in order to take advantage of this tax planning strategy? So it's, Mark, it's actually pretty straightforward. You just need to have a game and to clarify short-term game or long-term game. And a lot of investors like to hear that because as we know, short-term games are at income and we know the tax changes could be changing on the horizon too, but any type of game will work. Also works, It's and again, when you talk about game, think of that as whatever your account will say is a game. If you sell a piece of art, obviously if you sell stocks or bonds, if you sell a company, some of, our, some of the largest investments that are coming into opportunity zones are people selling companies because those are finite time periods. But it's a really good question because again, you have to create this game. You have to be willing to harvest the game from an asset that has an elevated value over your basis. And there's a lot of assets that have that right now, given where we know where the market is. So that's the first thing. It's just to be a game. And it also could be, again, it could be a company with gains. If it's you and a few other investors that are in a partnership, you know, again, that also counts. It just doesn't have to be an operating company. Uh, another thing that's really interesting is a lot of fund managers, private equity fund managers, hedge fund managers, and this could be something that changes, but as of right now, carried interest is being considered a game, which would be, again, if it's considered a game, it could be rolled in. So there's a lot of ways that could qualify. But once you harvest the gain, this is where a little bit of the mechanics come in, which I could talk about, is the key thing is this, you have 180 days to reinvest that money into a qualified opportunity zone fund. So, and that's what Again, qualified sponsors out in the marketplace are putting together and there's a lot, number of different reporting that goes to that into that and different opportunity zone testing, which is critical to, make, critical to make sure you don't lose your tax incentive. So there's 180 days and you must have a gain. One other thing to know in the 180 days is if you're in a partnership and the partnership does not reinvest the partnership's gains, then all those gains would flow down to the individual partners and their 180 day clock would start at the end of that calendar year. So that's a little unique. I don't want to go off on a, an accounting uh, tangent on that one. But if you are in a partnership with someone, you definitely have some more increased flexibility there. So I think that's worth looking at further. And furthermore, one of the last things, and this is one of the main things, the last two main points for this, there's a 10-year hold. 
So the investments you're investing in, you have to hold them for 10 years. And it's not something where you're just kind of selling in and selling out of investments. And that's not what the government really wanted. There is the ability to recycle capital. But again, I think that's for another discussion. I would just assume that your money has to be really in opportunity mm -hmm. zones, investments for 10 year, a 10 year time period. And then one of the other points that's just really important is these deals are typically development deals. And the reason why is the government made a qualification, which is entitled the Substantial Rehabilitation Clause. And what that means is for fund managers and for their investments to qualify, they have to substantially improve the projects. So alternatively, if you have gains, you can't just go into an opportunity zone and buy a existing built Walgreens is a triple net deal, which is basically a bond and just get all these uh, great tax advantages we're going to talk about. You have to create jobs and rateables and value like I was talking about early. So most of these deals are development deals. You have to put more than you have to double the money you put in. So if you put a million dollars in a deal, basically taking out the value of the land, you have to double that million dollars within CapEx investments over a 31 month period. The last thing I would say is this, and this is where it becomes really interesting, is opportunity zones work for not just real estate. They work for operating businesses. So we are seeing some businesses consider moving to these zones, which is what the government wanted. And if you have a business that could trade at a very high multiple evaluation 10, 15 years from now, and it qualifies for opportunity zones, there could be a windfall of profits because you created jobs and you put the business inside an opportunity zone. That's not typically what we do. We're real estate. Uh, focused in general, but, and I would say 90, I'd probably say 95% of the, of the opportunities on investments are real estate. They're not opcos, but I could see a pickup in the opcos as the program runs its course. So Chad, th this sounds like a win-win, right? First for the investor, you know, anyone who has an appreciated asset, you know, who's selling a business, who's selling a stock, who's selling a piece of real estate, or even some of these Bitcoin guys that have made all this money in the, in the past uh, six months, right? Could take advantage of this. It's also a win for the community because all that redevelopment, all that money is being deployed to help these communities, you know, enhance themselves. So can you walk us through an example of how a taxpayer may benefit from a qualified opportunity zone? Absolutely. And Charlie, to that one point too, when we think of real estate, and I think, I hope most developers act this way, when you could actually improve and better communities and at the same time be a win-win, like that is an amazing setup. And everyone tries to typically work that strategy, but it's always not the easiest thing to do. That's something we try to pride ourselves on, but it really is. These communities will tremendously benefit and so will the municipalities. So that's why we're very passionate uh, about this program. But in terms of the actual tax incentives, this is the fun part in terms of the economics. Of course, we're going to create jobs. We're going to create rateables. We're going to improve communities, but also those investors. Let's talk about why they should be excited about the program. And when you think about it, there's really three main incentives. There's a deferral incentive, there is a discount incentive, and then I describe it as a conversion to Roth incentive. And I'll walk through each one of those and how they work. So I want everyone to listen that's listening to think of it as two separate trades. The deferral and discount incentive are relevant towards the asset you're selling. So where you're harvesting those gains, right? The second trade, the second investment is putting the money in the opportunity zone fund of your choice. Right. And what that grows to, that's that Roth conversion incentive, as I describe it, which, which we'll talk about. That has to do with trade two, the reinvestment into a qualified opportunity zone fund. So let's start in order. Let's start with trade one. And I like to use Amazon because a lot of people have Amazon stock. So Amazon, assume you have a million dollars in Amazon stock. That's your basis. Let's assume you bought it yesterday and now today it's worth two million. It's a short term gain. 
you could sell that full $2 million position, right? And then you would create a million dollar gain. So at that point, let's talk about how opportunity zones work. First of all, you have 180 days to invest that into opportunity zone fund, which we already talked about, which would abide by all the opportunity zone rules, um, which we briefly covered. But now let's talk about the advantages to you. The first advantage is this. First off, you get to invest the full million dollars today into the Oz fund, as opposed to, let's assume a 40% all-in tax rate, federal rate for earners that are really over a million dollars, which it seems like it's going to that direction, right? As opposed to 600,000. Now that's a big difference, right? Because the deferral option is another way of saying compounding of money. You're going to be compounding 400K up to December 31st, 2026. So that is a big difference in terms of what that value is worth. And to actually, let me take one quick step back and clarify one other point. On the first trade that you're harvesting these gains, you still have to pay these taxes. Those taxes are due on December 31st, 2026. So that's why I brought up that date. You still have to pay those taxes, but they're at a deferred uh, time period, December 31st, 2026, and they're at a discount. So the deferral is the first one. The second one is a discount. The discount is valid for investors who invest gains by the end of 2021. This is the government's way of saying, we're excited about this program. You should be excited about the program. We want you to not sit on your hands and put your money in the program. So the temp- so what that means is by the end of 2021, if you do this trade, you get a 10% discount in the taxes that are due on the Amazon stock, in my example, on December 31st, 2026, right? So that that is the deferral and discount options in regards to trade one, which is selling Amazon. Now let's talk about number three. The third incentive is this Roth conversion incentive. And again, as most people that are knowledgeable with Roth accounts, a Roth account is a way you switch money from pre-tax to post-tax and whatever it grows to, you never pay taxes on is a simple way to think of that. So that's why you like to use the name Roth. So what this means is the Roth conversion is this, when you convert the money and sell and invest it into an opportunity zone fund. As long as that fund does everything they're supposed to do, so you have to be careful with picking the right managers, and they hold the asset for 10 years, whatever that 1 million grows to that's considered gains, you do not pay any taxes on. And when I first learned about that program, that's where I had to read it about five times because I was like, is that real? Because it's very powerful. So whatever it grows to, you don't pay taxes on as long as you hold it for 10 years. And again, that's assuming that's it's gains. And we can use a simple example for that. A typical return in the market that that we really target to is really a 2.2 to a 2.5 equity multiple, right? So if you invested a million dollars and you were getting, in this example, we're going to do a two and a half time equity multiple, a million would grow to two and a half, right? So for this example, let's put it all together in a really simple back of the envelope um, example, right? So if you had that million dollar Amazon gain and you invested today, right? And come December 31st, 26, you got to pay taxes, right? You don't pay taxes on a million because if you invest by the end of this year, you pay it on 900,000. So assuming a 4% all in uh, federal tax rate, you pay 360K in taxes, right? That million in this example grows to two and a half. You have another one and a half million dollar gain where if you're not an opportunity zone, you're going to get taxed twice on the way coming in, on the way coming out. So now you have a million and a half dollar gain that you're not being taxed on. So to bring it all together in, in terms of all these incentives, you basically have a two and a half million dollar gain that you're paying 360K in taxes on, which is equivalent to about a 14% net effective tax rate. And that's where investors get really excited. 
The one last point I'll make in regards to this is this. This is a federal program. These rates we're talking about are federal rates. This program is highly lucrative for investors that are in high-tax states because what a number of these high-tax states that are pro-investment did was they said, we're going to conform, aka mirror the federal program. So all those tax incentives I just talked about, if you're in a state like I am, which is New Jersey, we have 8.97% state taxes. Well, I don't pay any state taxes either. That all stays. And that's extremely lucrative. So it's really important if you're in a state that's high tax, I think it makes it, the program even more interesting. Just clarify, uh, Chad, if you would, because we have a, uh, a lot of uh, listeners that might be in you know older stages, 70 and a half or 72 now, and taking distributions from their IRAs. This is not a way to save tax on IRA distributions, right? And there's a distinction between that income and, and gains. Is that accurate? That's absolutely right. So what a lot of investors actually don't realize is that you can invest IRAs into hard assets alternatives, which we prefer is, is real estate. Obviously, that's what we do in our day job. But we do not recommend IRAs or any type of IRA type vehicle. In most company 401ks, you have to deal with the company plans. They, they typically, some of them will allow you to transfer invest into direct assets, but not all will. But we would not recommend an investor to use IRA type capital for opportunities because that's already tax advantaged. Right. Chad, this is fascinating, especially with um, all the speculation as to, you know, the direction of taxes, tax rates, and so on. So programs like this, I think are really essential for, you know, our clients and the public to, to know about generally. And as you pointed out, this is a win-win in the way it's structured. But as with any investment, you know, a taxpayer must consider or think through both the positives and negatives, not only the current and future tax policy, but also the investment itself, right? So you save all these taxes, but you are investing in real estate, and that's the other half of the equation that has to be done right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So that, that is very critical. I would never recommend any investor to ever make an investment based on a tax arm situation. There, you still have to rely on basic fundamentals. And that's how we really strategize and, and dig deep when we look at deals. I think it's critical in any investment, real estate or not real estate, I would always recommend that. So that's the first thing. And that involves a couple of things. So one thing is not all opportunity zones are created equal. As I just mentioned, there's 8,700 of these zones and change. So you have to be thoughtful about where you're investing your money and they're different zones. And by the way, that's why the states did conform because we're not beholden to invest in one state. This is a pure, again, another reason I like the program, free markets program. We can invest wherever we want. So it's in state's interest if, if they're pro-capitalism or pro-having investments to, you know, to, to mirror the government program. So that's critical. But the other one is we say tax incentives won't make a bad deal good. So again, in that regards, we really, you really got to be thoughtful about the opportunities on fund you're picking. Can they make sure they keep all the incentives? Do you believe in the team? Is it a great team? Can they execute? Remember, these are development deals. You're not buying core real estate that is a bond. Do they have a development team? Do they have a leasing team? Do they, do they have construction experience? These are all things that I think investors should really think about when they're thinking about these investors, really dissecting the team and making sure it's a good team. And then to your point in terms of, you know, really, you know, being later in life and just thinking of these, you know, thinking of how that works, right? It needs to be something that it is a 10-year hold. Right? So it has to be something that you're comfortable actually locking up your money that period of time. So we are always very thorough and thoughtful in terms of walking through those consider, considerations for investors. I would also say, and again, this could be an entire other discussion, 
we're not against 1031 exchanges. We are seeing a lot of money go from 1031 into these odds type exchanges, I would call it, for particular reasons, which is a whole discussion. But 1031s are still amazing real estate asset, arguably one of the best um, if you're gonna, it's, you know, if you're gonna, you know, keep gifting assets with stepped up in basis to your heirs at the end of the day. So th- there's uh, there's multiple different ways to look at these investments, and there's other there are some other vehicles out there. But again, what's really unique about this one is this is the first time I think it's the most historic tax program our country's put together in the last 50 years, where you could take gains from a non one asset and go into a completely different asset, so stocks or bonds into real estate. So that's kind of how I think of that. But yes, you really have to vet out and make sure you understand and believe in the deals that you're investing in. And just to clarify for our listeners, Chad, a 1031 exchange is an exchange of like-kind investment real estate for another like-kind investment real estate. That's tax-free exchange. Exactly right. And, and the way to think about that too, 1031s are great, but they're not great if you don't give the investments to your heirs at some point, because it basically allows you to reinvest all your proceeds from a real estate investment into a new one. And there's and it's a very tight policy. So you have to be really make sure you're doing it correctly. And, and that's one thing. But those earnings grow and compound massively over time. But if you don't have a good advisor, you know, to mainly manage or, or trust an estate planner to help you, then if you sell those assets in this lifetime, you're going to have a massive gain, right? Because this is growing for long periods of time. So that's where the state and trust planning is really critical for 1031s if you're really doing it and creating exorbitant amounts of wealth. Yeah, I think that the comprehensive planning is really key. You mentioned a couple of things just a, a moment ago. You talked about older taxpayers, perhaps those that are closer to the end than the beginning. We'll put it that way. And so the how much time do we have to participate in these programs is important, but also a coordinated, you know, cross-disciplinary approach, one that we employ here at Palace Capital Advisors when we're trying to help clients make decisions. It's not just about the income tax, could be also about estate planning objectives, could be about gifting objectives during lifetime, could also be what do we think the tax policy will be in 2026, right? You mentioned December 31, 2026, when there will be that deferral is finally completed from the initial gain that was deferred. You know, so what will rates be in that future time period? So all that I think has to be considered by a taxpayer when he or she is thinking about the qualified opportunity zone investment. But on the face of it, it sounds extremely compelling, particularly, as you said, for those that may have a significant capital gain event, maybe they're selling a company. And this is a way to really defer that gain and also turn it into something that part of that will become eventually tax-free. So just a phenomenal tool to have in the toolbox, but that you would also consider the other tools that you have at your disposal as well. Yeah, you always have to take a holistic view of your portfolio. It's obviously a very serious business and you have to know all the pros and cons of these investments. And you bring up one last point I want to touch on because you you just kind of mentioned it in terms of this tax that to do on December 31st, 26. I would just tell everyone, we do get questions of, well, how do I pay for that tax? And that's something that we're the planning, having a good planner to work with you is really important because that's where most, I don't, I can't think of any fund managers that are guaranteeing you to give you that money to pay that tax. Right now, these investments, there are distributions. It doesn't mean you get no distributions over the 10 years. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. And frankly, one of the best tools at our disposal, which a lot of people don't understand when it comes to opportunity zones, is we can still refi these assets in real estate and take out tremendous value tax free because tax free uh, uh, refis are a tax free event. And what we expect 
is that a lot of investors will use that capital to pay for some of those taxes and work on their planning. So that's one thing I think that's clear just for everyone to know in terms of it is a 10 year hold. There are distributions, even though there's developments, it usually takes place after years three or, you know, within years three or four. And there's also this potential large refi event, which is not a sale of the property. It doesn't violate any rules where you can get a substantial amount of your money back before the 10 year period. Yeah, I think those are great points. And, you know, Chad, we could continue talking about this for another uh, hour if we had the time. But unfortunately, I think we're coming to the end and that's going to do it for this round. I think the takeaway that I have uh, have from listening to you, Chad, and is that an, an investor or a taxpayer really needs to surround himself or herself with subject matter experts when they're making decisions of this size, because the decisions they make today can have a you know short, mid and long term impact to the net results. And so, um, you know, surround yourself with qualified advisors. And of course, the information we've talked about today is for informational purposes only and should not be considered by our listeners as a recommendation to participate in qualified opportunities on investments or any investment for that matter. Instead, we encourage listeners to reach out to your qualified investment and tax professionals for advice that is personal and tailored to your situation. Chad, I just can't thank you enough for being with us here today. And so thanks, Chad, from Saxon Real Estate. Appreciate it. Thanks to you, James, and the, and the entire Palace team. I appreciate the time, and I really enjoy the opportunity to talk about a program that I think is so important and that will be here to stay. So thank you. You're welcome. And Mark Rich, Charlie, great to have you uh, as always on today as well. Thank you, James. And Chad, a personal thank you as well for helping Palace continue to educate the the investing public and our clients. This is a really um, special opportunity here, our opportunity to look at opportunity zones. And I think that everybody will find a lot of value in the information that you guys presented. So thanks very much for your time. Listeners, if you would like to speak personally with Chad or other members of his team, you can contact him via his website at saxumre.com. That's S-A-X-U-M-R-E.com. As always, if you would like to discuss your personal financial planning, reach out to us through our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com. That's P-A-L-L-A-S, capitaladvisors.com. To all of our listeners, we wish you the very best. There are opportunities out there, and we hope you make the best of them. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, Triad Advisors, LLC, and their representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only. It is not personalized investment advice and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security, sector, or strategy to any individual person or entity. Securities offered through Triad Advisors, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC is a separate entity from Triad Advisors, LLC.